Welcome back to the Byland Podcast. My name is Emery. Thank you so much for being here and welcome to Better Backpacking. This is episode 163 and my guest today is Janelle Smith of recreation.gov. Janelle is the communications team lead at rec.gov where she is responsible for getting the word out about all the good things that they have to offer. I know there are a lot of people in full-on planning mode for summer camping trips here in the States. So when Janelle and her team reached out at the end of last year to have a chat, it was a no-brainer. If you're unfamiliar with what rec.gov is, it is a planning tool for camping and other activities that makes it super easy to know what's out there, what's available, and how to plan a trip. It plays a big role for a lot of people. So having Janelle represent the organization on the show is an honor. And I think that even if you're already aware of what rec.gov is and offers, you're still going to learn a thing or two. Before we dive in, if you enjoy this podcast and what I'm doing with Byland and want to show your support, you can do so in a few ways. First, if you or someone you know is new to backpacking, I have a beginner backpacking course called Learn How to Backpack. It's designed to fast track your knowledge and make backpacking enjoyable from the beginning. The course is completely online, very affordable, and I make myself available to anyone who needs help along the way. Bottom line, I love backpacking, but I love teaching backpacking even more. If you're interested, there are links to the course in the show notes. But if you can't find them, just shoot me an email at emeryatbyland.co and I'll get them your way. Secondly, you can support the show by spreading the word about the show and by sharing it with a friend or promoting it on social media. And lastly, if you're feeling frisky and want to go to the extra mile, you can donate to the show through a link in the show notes. Producing a podcast involves a lot more than just putting episodes together. And your donations help me cover all the software, hardware, and subscriptions needed to make it all possible. Even a small donation of five or 10 bucks goes a really long way. That said, any of the above options are a fantastic way to support the show, and I sincerely appreciate any and all of them. And to those that have already donated, shared episodes, and left reviews, thank you so, so much. I can't thank you enough. That's it for me. Please enjoy this episode with Janelle Smith. Janelle, welcome to the podcast. I am very honored to have you and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Likewise. Yeah, I I appreciate being a, a part of it. Thank you. To kick things off, would you mind, you have a lot, from what I understand, a very long history uh, doing this kind of stuff and in this role. Uh, can you kind of give me a rundown or give everyone a rundown of who you are, what you do, where, what you work, who you work for? So we kind of have a sure, baseline yeah. of the conversation. Yeah, you bet. Yes. Yeah, so um, my name is yeah, Janelle Smith. Uh, I work for the U.S. Forest Service and um, I, I'm going on over 30 years of federal government employment, always with land management agencies. Uh, so that's really at the core and, and, and part of my personal passion is, is uh, really land management. Um, my current role is our strategic communications team um, with recreation.gov and have been in some sort of public affairs, media relations uh, role really pretty much my entire career. Where did you start out you know where it really started is I was a firefighter. Uh, oh no, kidding! Here in Idaho, where I live now, and um, also going to college at the same time mm-hmm. in communications. And uh, as I was really looking at the horizon of where I might want to work, um, 
I I looked at the federal government. And so I was, I was fighting fire for the Boise National Forest and wow. did an internship with them in public affairs too. And so that's how it all began. And my first oh, job wow. was with the National Interagency Fire Center um, as, as public affairs. And so it kind of blended those two worlds together. So it's, and it's, been a, it's been a great ride, a really wild ride. <laughs> what in the world got you going down the f- firefighting path early on? Well, I mean, I've just always loved the outdoors. Uh-huh. It's, it's just um, where I think I, it feeds my soul, as I always say. Uh-huh. And um, when I'm outdoors, I'm I'm happy and content. And that's really what firefighting is all about. It's about uh-huh. being out in the woods with your friends. Um, and uh, so I, I just really loved it. Um, it was a short stint uh-huh. in firefighting as I then transitioned into a career, but um, I, I sure enjoyed it. It was a great introduction. That's awesome. So this role with rec.gov, um, do, I think a lot of people, at least when I was, when you guys reached out, uh, I was like, oh, rec.gov. Yeah, of course. And then I started thinking about, okay, well, what is it, you know, what is it I'll do? And, and I feel like I have a general sense of it, but I'm always, I assume that, you know, there's a lot of parts of my knowledge that are probably ignorant. Do you, can you give like a good once over of rec.recreation.gov and like, what it does for people and I guess maybe like the mission and why it exists in the first place. So people kind of have a good understanding of that. Yeah. I'm really glad you asked that question because it's, you know, and I hear talk to people about it. Oh, it's that website. It's like, well, it's so much more than just a website, you know, it's a service. And so for the federal government, it's this, the trip planning and reservation service of choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we really look at it in terms of serving those federal um, government agencies and field staff. And you think about those who manage those public lands, maybe the product, if you will, mm-hmm. like all the places you want to go visit. It's from anything from Haleakala uh, in Hawaii to Zion National Park to the Boise National Forest here down the road, um, all across the country. So those people who live and work in those places, they manage those places for visitors to enjoy. Um, for one thing. And Mm -hmm. then we, recreation.gov, help provide the technology, a platform to then manage that visitation. And then the other really important customer we have is the public, us, Mm -hmm. me, um, who want to go enjoy those lands. And so to help people really understand the entire landscape available to them in one location, Mm -hmm. it's a one-stop service versus having to go to each individual agency or even you know locally right. managed location to figure out how to camp there or to hike there or mm. to get a permit to go whitewater rafting there um, when it's all it, and that was how it was conceived is to bring mm-hmm. it all under one umbrella to make it easier for the public to to really discover and experience these places. The umbrella for what you do, um, you mentioned like national forests, national parks. Yes, it okay. is. So for those um, locations where you could actually make reservations, it, mm-hmm. those are going to be all those federal lands, okay. your national parks, forests, uh, Army Corps of Engineers. They've got a ton of really yeah. great lake projects. Um, one's right down the road from us that we're there a couple times a week in the mm-hmm. summer. Um, uh, you know, the Fish and Wildlife Service has some really amazing places, um, including like hunting permits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's just it's kind of across the board um, of 
all the different types of activities you have. Even the National Archives bring their tickets for tour reservations into our system. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's incredible. When the system was formed, what was, I guess, what was the system before recreation.gov? Because I would imagine, like you said, you're going to each one trying to figure things out, but it sounds like it was all encapsulated under one. So what was it like before? And then what's it like now? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm old enough to be, ta- I could talk about it from experience. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so before <laughs> you, <laughs> you really did have to go to like, you have to figure out, okay, I, I'm just going to use local. Like okay. I know that the Boise National Forest is local, but I don't know which ranger district I want to go visit. I just know it's up the road by, you know, that town mm-hmm. 50 miles away from me. Um, but you'd have to know that you'd have to kind of, and so you'd go to like a map maybe, and then you try to figure it out, or you'd even go just visit that, that location. I mean, it was, it was difficult mm-hmm. to try to purse through the information to figure out where you wanted to go and then how to make a reservation and not to say that the agencies weren't doing a good job, but it, people don't really often clue in with an agency in terms of where they want to go. Forest Service, oh, Land Management, National Park Service, the right. same as all, everything's a park or whatever. And yeah. so um, 25 years ago, uh, they launched and secured the URL, recreation.gov, just as an information portal. So it was just simply a series mm-hmm. of links 25 years ago. Um, not long after that, uh, a couple of agencies did this big nationwide study. They're like, okay, how, how do we bring all of this online? We know we need a reservation system you know, uh, online services were really just coming into their own at that time. They recognized the value of it. Um, and so in doing so, recreation.gov was born. And let's take this this URL that's already secured and let's add a layer of front country camping. So when I say mm-hmm. front country, it's all those developed recreation sites that offer mm-hmm. amenities like bathrooms and fire pits and picnic tables. And that was the original uh, use of recreation.gov was for front country camping for the Army Corps of Engineers and Forest Service initially. And okay. then as, as it just sort of gained momentum. So I think it really did the service well when it started out small. Mm-hmm. It started out a very focused effort. And as it gained traction, it then grew to, to meet more needs, to offer more services. And that's what, how it's evolved into today. The current version, um, you know, we've gone from just front country camping to all kinds of camping, wilderness permits, whitewater rafting, Mm -hmm. uh, tickets to go to the Washington Monument, um, national Christmas tree lighting at the White House tickets. You can get, you apply for a lottery. So all these different kinds of activities now can be found under, again, this one location. That is a lot. That is a lot to manage. (laughs) I was just thinking in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, because there's a spot up by Mount St. Helens. It's uh, Mount Margaret country. That's pretty restricted. Um, And they have, you know, you you have to reserve sites, you know, a a month ahead of time or or whatever it is. I was like, oh, but then you have that. If you're doing Christmas tree stuff and you're doing, a lot of people don't understand. I bet a lot of people listening, if they're not from the Northwest, they probably don't know that you can go and harvest a Christmas tree from the right? mountains. <laughs> like yeah. you just, you get the permit. I remember when I was a kid, my, oh my gosh, it's like one of my sister's favorite family stories. 
my my parents were everyone's from the Midwest. Uh, and so the mountains of the Pacific Northwest, uh, I'm sure you know all of the stories of people making bad decisions up in the mountains with two-wheel drive vehicles and getting stuck in the snow, going up, going up a road and not being able to come back down. Well, that was basically my dad. Uh, we, he wanted to take his family Christmas tree shopping. And knowing the mountains that he was in now as an adult, I was like, Dad, what were you doing? But, you know, we, he, you could go and get this. I think they're like, what, $12? They're super cheap. They're yeah, not. They're still about 10 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it varies from forest to forest, but they're, yeah, yeah. they're not much more than that. Considering now. we just paid $100 for a Christmas tree, like a Christmas <laughs> tree farm. You go up there and you, you, there's certain restricted areas where you can get these trees and you bring your family out for a fun time and find yourself like doing like a hundred point turn on a snowy road. And I thought I was, I, I don't know, I was like maybe five and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> my dad, great adventure. <laughs> my dad was in way over his head. He had one of those like old Dodge Ram vans like a snub nose so you're like the, over the wheels looking over the cliff you know That's i hear you i had the same dad <laughs> <laughs> and i asked him years later i was like dad what in the heck were you doing uh and he was and he just i feel like it was probably one of those memories where him and my mom probably got into it after because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they didn't they didn't talk much about it they just kind of laughed a little bit uh 2023 we're recording this in december actually 2023 what are the trends what is what's everyone up to and what did it look like this year do you do you have any insight into that uh just in general across all recreation uh we'll stick with you know like outdoor um i guess we'll focus it on like maybe camping and you know a little bit of front country and back country stuff i guess I, i mean it really doesn't matter because anyone listening as long as it's getting outdoors, uh, I'd be curious what, what the trends are looking like these days. Like, are people doing a lot more car camping? Are they doing more hiking or wilderness trips or backcountry trips? Um, are they doing more water sports? Yeah, yeah. I can definitely talk in terms of just the, the big picture, uh, mm-hmm. you know, visitation that we see in the data that, that we're looking at. And um, I would say... You know, there's those really popular magnet areas okay. uh, where people want to camp. And so um, it's, you know, the really popular parks. In fact, the National Park Service put out some data um, in that eight of their national park units received 20 26% of all visitation. So I'll say that again. So with the National Park Service, um, only eight of their parks received 26% of all visitation across the entire National Park Service landscape. So if you can imagine wow. that intense uh, you know, visitation mm-hmm. just on a few units. And so, you know, something that our team tries to do, um, again, in helping with the, the park service and their their goals is to help people find the less known yeah. places. So we're really working towards how can we help to d- diffuse that level of of visitation mm-hmm. um, and encourage people to find other places that that maybe aren't on the big calendars that they buy every year, that mm-hmm. they might be a little less known, but offer really amazing, amazing experiences. So our team works really hard to look across like, where is their availability mm-hmm. for camping in June? 
let's highlight those places. Let's help people discover these other places where they can go camp versus getting really frustrated that they yeah. can't get that coveted campsite in you know, Zion National Park or Yosemite National mm-hmm. Park. What are some nearby forests or Bureau of Land Management lands um, that they could visit and maybe do a deep day trip into those locations? Mm-hmm. So that's really a lot of work of what we're trying to do is, is let's, let's really expand our horizons a little and look beyond uh, what what might be on your bucket list? Maybe create a new bucket list. <laughs> is that currently a feature available? Where because a lot of times, um, and this is one of the things I want to talk to you about, like you know, trends and you know the perceived. It feels like everyone talks about man. There's just so many people out. You know, it seems like camp. You can't get a camp spot. Sometimes I wonder if that's just like one area or if that's nationwide. Um, and so, like managing that, and sometimes. You hear just people like, yeah, you got to reserve something a year ahead of time if you want to go to this place, which is understandable if it's a popular place. You got to get a reservation ahead of time. But a lot of times, like my family, we're like, oh, we got nothing going on this week or I got a three-day weekend or something like that. What is available? So is there a feature on the site where you can kind of see what's around you and what is available, say, like in June, like what you said, like within the next few weeks? Yes. and and Because I... You sound like maybe you're like the spur of the moment type person. And our family's mm-hmm. that way too. Like we, oh gosh, we have the weekend free. Let's, let's go check it out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, okay, what, where are places that you really want to go? Um, here locally, there's a, a place called Bull Trout Lake. It's on the Boise mm-hmm. National Forest. It, it's beautiful. Campsites are right at the lake edge. It's really hard to get into. So I'll go and just peruse the site from time to time to see if there's a cancellation or see if I can, mm-hmm. I can actually get a spot. Well, it's, it's really hard. And so um, when I can see that all of those campsites are full yet, I'm really hoping and really love to go during this window of time that we have, you can now set an availability alert. And this is just a new feature that we launched in this fall, actually. Oh, really? And so I'm, I'm super excited about it. People that have used it are really happy about it. So if a cancellation occurs, rather than me just have to keep mm-hmm. continually monitor it for a cancellation, the system will automatically send me an alert uh-huh. and I can know like right then when it's occurring and I have the opportunity to go and try to secure that spot. Now, others may have an alert mm-hmm. set for the same place at the same time. Uh, so, you know, I still have to compete, but mm-hmm. my chances now are much better than they were before. So that's something we're really excited about. Another thing that we offer is um, we call it a recommendation engine. So when you're on the site, you've got a place where you'd really like to go camp, Mm. but it's full. Um, Just below that, we're going to show you um, a list of nearby campgrounds or, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do um, in that area that do have availability. Mm -hmm. So it might be a little bit further away or it might be just down the road, a place you didn't know about or think about. Um, but it, it could offer you the opportunity that you're looking for. So those are a couple of services that we provide. You know, and one more thing I, I definitely want to make sure it's clear is um, I talked earlier about, you know, this being the technology, the platform for those local managers. You know, they're setting all the policies. Those local managers are the ones who are putting up the information that's really important for you to know before you actually, you know, drive to that area. Uh, and and we're here to help facilitate that for them. Mm. You know that uh, that availability 
knowing that you can kind of set that uh, up on the back end, there's there's been so many times where I mentioned the, the Margaret country. It, is that it's kind of, I guess, before I ask the question, is that site wide or is that um, nationwide or is that kind of insert like in certain areas? That for the availability alerts, um, that yeah, that's across our entire site. Okay. So every every location that is on recreation.gov mm-hmm. that chooses to use the system, yeah, um, now has that ability. It's okay. a service that we offer across the entire site, which then is across the entire country. Okay, cool. Yeah, because there's like the I mentioned the Margaret country. What what I've seen happen in the past is you know people soak up the permits and then they don't go. And there's like someone like myself that would be like, well, I, I can jump up there for, you know, a night or, or night or two to this spot, but you don't know that the person's not there. And it seems like a, it seems like a waste of, um, a permit to, to just burn. But if they can, if they say, Hey, yeah, I can't go and you can get that alert and you can soak it up. Um, it's better for the, it's better for you, better for them, better for the backcountry, and funding all around. I want to, yeah. And what, since you brought up, uh, Mount Margaret, backcountry, that's in the Gifford Pinchot National mm-hmm. Forest, uh, kind of in that Mount St. Helens area. Um, that's a permit. And permits and lotteries, they're going to be those um, really high demand locations mm-hmm. that um, simply cannot keep pace with the capacity, will not keep pace right. with that demand, right? So that's when managers choose to use a permit to help manage the flow of traffic, the flow of visitation yeah. into that given area. And so um, what's really important about that, we don't yet have the availability alerts turned on for permits, that okay. type of permit. So I do want to make that clear. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. That's not quite available. We're working on it. So we started with camping, we'll, yep. you know, kind of work on that. Makes sense. Um, but the whole idea, this whole notion of, of people who just don't show up, who make reservations, mm-hmm maybe just don't even cancel and let people know they just simply don't show up. And, mm-hmm. and then that opportunity simply isn't available to somebody else. That's a problem that we're seeing across mm-hmm. the entire platform. Uh, we're hearing it from managers. We're hearing it from, from visitors who are frustrated. So our team is also working really hard to really encourage people mm-hmm. to, to do that. We're, you know, putting in automated reminders, uh, you know, simple little like, click-throughs where they can go and cancel a reservation, mm-hmm. giving that up for other people. Uh, you know, there's, you know, you lose your reservation fee plus, um, you know, first night's lodging mm-hmm. if you're camping and you don't show up. So there, there's all these things in place. And we're really hoping that we can move the needle on people's mm-hmm. behavior if they can re- cancel those reservations and give other yeah. people a chance. Yeah. I mean, it's really just, a. I feel like it's a community mindset. It's, you know, mm-hmm. being aware of like, oh man, I should probably cancel this so someone else can soak it up. It's really just a practice and education, I suppose, and teaching people. Um, yeah, that's an interesting problem set to solve and trying to find up, trying to figure that back end out. Like, how do I make sure someone, you know, it's like, a, I don't know, a doctor appointment. You know, it's like yeah. I, my dentist shoots me like an email or a, a text message like two days before, like, if you don't confirm this, your thing's canceled, you know, something like that. Uh, that seems yeah. to work. Yeah, that's an interesting problem set to solve. So noted on the, so it's for camping, the, at least for now, and then the, the permits are a different beast. Well, there's so many buckets that you guys are having to deal with. You have to, you can't roll it out all at once. 
Right. Yeah. 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 What we want to do is we want to develop something, mm-hmm. test it yeah. with just a few people or a few locations, yep. refine it, deploy it, mm-hmm. and then continue to monitor, refine, update until we then, yeah, make just, we want to make sure that it's working. And so far we're seeing really good results. Okay, uh, so. cool. That's awesome. Has Thanks. you often hear about uh, speaking of trends and your comment about, you know, the, these like highly sought after places getting a lot of the traffic, whereas you guys are kind of like trying to push down that crowd and push them out to other places for, for less impact on, on those uh, key places. Post, you know, you always hear about the outdoor industry. I spoke to some brands this this summer about, you know, the COVID years saw a massive spike in outdoor activities and those brands that kind of threw off their whole uh, <laughs> planning because they saw a huge spike and now it's kind of dipping. Is that, what does that look like on your end? Are you guys, did you guys see a spike and is it flattening out or is it leveling out or is it growing still or what's that looking like? Yeah, no, I absolutely played out for us in that way in terms Mm -hmm. of COVID. So in 2019, uh, just in terms of reservations, um, there was about 4 million reservations, 3.7 million reservations. Uh, Then in in 2020, that jumped up to uh, about, uh, was it, 5 million. And then just this last year, it's 10.15 million. So we just have seen this explosion in growth in wow. number of reservations. Um, likewise, in the number of um, user accounts that were brought onto this to the system. So from 2019 mm-hmm. to this last year, um, which is we just closed out our fiscal year, so kind of a yep. year end. Yep. When we look back, uh, we more than doubled the number of user accounts in our site. Uh, so wow. what that means is you just think about to make a reservation, you must establish an account. Uh-huh. So when you've got, you know, 20 million more people um, that now have user accounts on our system, uh, that's a lot of people who have discovered recreation, uh, outdoor recreation. Uh-huh. And in fact, when we look at industry data, what we're seeing is uh, the fastest growing uh, demographic for purchasing RVs, which is a big investment, right? You purchase uh-huh. an RV, you're probably going to camp. And, and that's playing out where we're seeing those folks who have purchased RVs are more likely to go camping. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, you've got, you've, you've made a huge investment. Uh, and so, and they're starting to skew a little bit younger. That used to be a mm. much older audience. Mm-hmm. And, and what we're seeing is that they're a, a more, a younger audience. So now with the, the public land agencies, that's an opportunity. Now you have, you know, people who maybe never connected with these lands before connecting in ways um, that are really intimate. You know, they're spending, you know, their quality time, they're bringing their young children or friends um, out to these spaces to enjoy them. Uh, and, and again, it's it's a real opportunity. It also presents the challenge to make sure that you provide a safe, quality outdoor recreation experience for all these new visitors. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh you know, the the spike in accounts, even if they're not making reservations, do you have the number on reservations in 2023? Just out of curiosity? Yeah, it was, uh, 10.15 million reservations in um, 2023. Okay. And then you said the accounts were up higher than that? Yeah, let me just get those up. So I can... 
we can come back. So it's that. like the idea of there's probably going to be less reservations than, than accounts, but at least if you saw a spike in the accounts, and they, these are people that are interested in making a reservation and or leaning in that direction, because to your point, you can't make a reservation without having the account. Right, that's correct. I guess my, my what I was going to, uh, the purpose of that tangent, <laughs> uh, educating people, educating people on best practices, safety, like now you have access to all of those new accounts that even if they didn't purchase or they didn't decide to go camping, you can, you now have the ability to educate them on leave no trace or different opportunities. Um, that's a huge win in terms of just overall population health, <laughs> you know? Uh, that's incredible because a lot of people have this, what I've found, at least in my experience is a lot of people, and I'm sure in yours, th it's like people have a area of interest and they, for some reason, think that that's the only opportunity that is out there. Like it's like a three national parks, you go camp, you see some Buffalo, you see half dome, whatever it is. But as you and I both know, there's so much more out there, but how do you, how do you educate these people and expose them? to those different opportunities. And that's now you have that opportunity. That's super cool. Yeah. I mean, you talk about communicating with them, educating, um, you know, that's something that, that again, I'm, I'm really proud of the work that we do. Um, mm -hmm. We provide a direct line of communication from those field managers uh, to let people know about their upcoming visit, um, whether it's, um, Hey, really important information about this Mount Margaret climbing permit that you have. Mm -hmm. You need to, you know, make sure that there are all these things in place. Sometimes they have a video that people must watch before they go because it's mm. just the either the environment is is incredibly sensitive and or um, the, you know safety precautions are just really needed. Um, or they they can let them know about a wildfire in the area. Maybe yeah. there's smoke and and that might affect you if you're sensitive to it. Or we have to close the campground because of the fire. So that that direct line of communication is so incredibly vital. And we offer that to those field managers. The other part of communication is, is what we're able to do um, through if they opt in to receive our, our messages. And um, we have over 3 million people who have opted in and they want to hear from us. And so we're able to talk about recreating responsibly, you know, leave no trace mm -hmm. uh, that cancel your reservations. Um, and, and we also try to really provide helpful, useful tips, valuable things that would help, especially first time campers mm -hmm. or, you know, first time hikers. Um, here's some things you may not think about. So let us help you. And so we can create really graphic, you know, user-friendly information and content um, that we hope really resonates and adds value to their trip. Mm. Yeah. What are some, do you have any uh, advice for anyone looking to book uh, yeah, like what's some advice for, for people looking to book like their favorite, uh, campsite, maybe that's a little more popular. Do you, what's the general guidance on that kind of stuff? If it's during peak season and, mm -hmm. you know, depends on the area of the country, right. yep. depends on what peak season is for that location. Uh, you know, be flexible if you can. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes you're really locked in on certain dates. Look at those midweek dates. Sometimes mm. on a Tuesday and Wednesday, you can find a site that is booked out for the all weekends, you know, during the course of the peak season. So try to build in some flexibility in your schedule. 
Um, the other thing is that that some of these really high demand locations on those shoulder seasons, there mm-hmm. you know there's some availability. Like uh, just as this, it's starting to open up, or maybe just before it closes, uh, that may be a really good time to go there. Uh, and then we've got a, a tool called Trip Builder, and I love it. I use it to map out our vacations. We often do these road trips, like we drive up to Whitefish, Montana. Well, mm-hmm. what are the places along that route? Uh, you know, that's a 12-hour drive. So where mm-hmm. could we camp along the way? And there's places I don't know about. And so when you you can put a buffer around how far off your route you're willing to go. Oh, cool. So it's Highway 12. I'm willing to drive 20 miles off of this road to go find a campsite. It will show you what campsites, what trailheads are along that route. So wow. you can map it out. And so you that's a good way to discover because I think that mapping is yeah. really the easiest way for people to know because you just... You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what's out there. <laughs> I was about and, to say, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So it's like, you know, when you've got this this mapping, these mapping tools that are synced up with all of the data that mm-hmm. all of these public land agencies provide and that we ingest into recreation.gov, now you have this incredibly unique service mm-hmm. um, that offers all that information into one uh, location. So those, all of the different ways that our team is working to help people discover mm-hmm. experience, you know, have these amazing stories that they create with their loved ones, I, I think is just absolute key. It's, it's, it's what we're working to do every day. Um, and we hope that people, um, again, you know, just have the best time that they can. Yeah. Maybe to dovetail on the, the reason behind all this stuff, like what? on a personal level, like, why do you do this? Um, what part of you, uh, made you want to go in this direction? Is this, and I would imagine it aligns with some of the values of, of the job title, but to kind of marry those two together, what's, what's the why behind all this? I love that question. Uh, and I'll, I'll speak from my own personal experience and I, I kind of, chatted you know when we first started talking it's Mm -hmm. like I love the outdoors it feeds my soul it's like what really where I seek solace when when life's get me down and so um when I landed in this job over you know my entire career I thought this is the sweet spot for me and as I started then working with this team and really getting to know everyone I'm around a lot of like-minded people. So we're, you know, we're a team of federal experts who have, you know, bring the different expertise to help manage a large organization like this. Um, And then you couple that with a a technology partner, our contractor, Booz Allen Hamilton, who provides the technology part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we're finding is they're just as passionate about providing this service. Many of them also love the outdoors or have discovered it for themselves. Uh, and it's what drives us is when we see comments that people have about their experiences outside or the frustrations that they have about lack of access or, you know, not being able to make that coveted campground reservation. We're constantly ideating, constantly Mm -hmm. troubleshooting. How can we make this better? You know, you hear, and, and our teams actually go do these site visits. So a bunch of us went to Glacier National Park. How are people responding to having these timed entry reservations to get into the park? It's a, mm. it's their window of visitation is so short. 
So they get people from all over the world that that plan these big vacations to be able to visit there. Um, and, you know, there's definitely some people that are expressing frustration about having to have those reservations. We stood at the entrance gates and we talked to people as they came through. We saw where they were having a hard time. And it's like, okay, how can we tweak this interface to make it more clear? How can we, you know, um, just make this easier for people to, 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 to get into this area and, and have an amazing time. And what we found is even though there were some people who are frustrated um, by, and you know, the, the number of positive responses we get far outweigh the negative people mm-hmm. who could actually drive in, find parking, uh, not wait in traffic for, you know, an hour or more just to drive up to going to the sun road. Um, we're, it was a much more positive experience. So that's what we're searching for. How can we make this better for people? How can we alleviate some of the pressure that, that those managers are feeling mm-hmm. and provide solutions that help them uh, provide a better experience for their visitors? Do you, is there, a, um, just out of curiosity, is there like a <clears throat> long-term hope for you know, you just always hear that, oh, we want to encourage people to get into the outdoors. And that's, you just hear that as like a common saying. But, um, and I think some people really do believe it, but sometimes I wonder, you know, why do they believe it? So is there like a long-term hope? You know, why do we go to these great lengths? Why do we care if people find what they're looking for? Why do we even it's it's at the end of it. I feel like I just want to say, why do we even care? Like, why are we doing this? And it's got to be, you know, it's a personal level. But is there like a practical application for why we go to these great lengths for these Absolutely. places? And you'll see it reflected in. And I know this is the wonky part. Like agency, mm-hmm. they have all these strategies, recreations, yeah. reimagine recreation, and mm-hmm. and you know, a blueprint for the future. You know, we we see these in those strategies. But here's why they care. Here's and and I can say this from a a, a lifetime federal employee. When people experience their public lands, their public lands, mm-hmm. when they connect with them, when they fall in love with them, and they bring their children and they have these experiences with their friends and family, they care. They care about those places, and when they care about those places, they want to see them preserved. For their children and grandchildren and their grandchildren for all the generations to come. We have such unique public lands in the United States. It's incredibly unique to have these lands that have been set aside that, that you know, those who came before us could see the future. And they created these national parks. They created the national monuments. They set aside fish and wildlife lands for wildlife mm-hmm. habitat preservation. Uh, they did all that with the foresight to see that that if we don't preserve them, they'll go by the way of development. And these are special places that make this country so unique and so wonderful. So it's all about, you know, creating these stewards and mm. to pass that on from generation to generation to generation. Yeah, and I feel like the only like the only way to do that is to get people out there. Yeah, they have like to fall like, in love with the plans. You bet. Yeah, that's kind of why. I, I mean, that's a lot of the reason why I I do what I do and why I took up my torch is, um, to just help people have that experience because I feel like my fear is when people have a bad experience, 
it just taints the whole thing. And then that, that, that thing that they just went on, like say it's a backpacking trip. If that, if that goes south on them, it's just not cool, man. Like, it's just not cool. It's not okay. And then they, they miss out on this connection because they went on that trip for a reason. And there's a, there's a, there's a yearning for that experience. And then when it goes south, then they don't get that connection. And then that area misses out on that relationship uh, going, going bad. So, I mean, that's why I care about educating people and just helping them have the best. And they don't have to do it like I do it. They just I, like I just want them to do it how they how they want to do it. And here's like here, don't do this for sure. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> do you find that sometimes when you do have those bad experiences, maybe it's like you're sat in the tent for three days because it rained out or whatever. You know, there was mm-hmm. just you know the road was washed out or whatever. Sometimes I found as I reflect back on it, those are the memories that stick with me the most. (laughs) And then we'll sit and laugh about five years, 10 years later and become like the stories that we pass on, you know, generation to generation. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the, I I wrote an article years ago um, for myself, but uh, published on the website. I need to revisit it because it was called backcountry problems are real problems. There's so much in our daily life that is just, we think it's a problem, but at the end of the day, it's not a problem. But when you, and this is, you know, more, it's, it's more prevalent when you're going backpacking because when you step down the trailhead and there's no infrastructure where you're going, it's like, uh, it's very obvious, you know, and every decision you make from then on out is like, you're either putting it in the right, the, the, the cookie jar of like good decisions or the cookie jar of bad decisions. And as you go down that path, every decision you make is very important. And when you have a problem, like that's a real one. <laughs> like if you get hurt, you. that's a real problem. Or if you don't, if you don't eat the right way, that is a real problem. Whereas like not being able to log into Netflix is not a real problem. <laughs> You know, it's like, or getting the wrong, yeah, like getting the, (laughs) getting the wrong, I ordered a um, vanilla latte and it came out of cappuccino. Like that's frustrating. You paid for it, but it's not a real problem. Whereas like, oh man, I, I had an experience recently where we, we got, there was a mix up there. And this is like such a, like not a rookie mistake because clearly I made it. But I thought he had the tent. He thought I had the tent. We were going to be sharing a tent. And we got out there. And it was one of those scenarios where you're like, all right, hey, you want to hand, you toss me the tent? I'll start pitching it. And he's like, huh, yeah, give me the tent. And we like did that three or four times. And we were like, dude, stop messing with me. And we were like 12 miles in on wow. a hunt. And I was like, it took me, you know, I sat there for a second and I was like, you don't have the tent? And he goes, no, I don't, I don't have the tent. Do you have the tent? He's like, you don't have the tent? I was like, I don't have the tent. I thought you had it. He's like, well, I thought you had it. I was like, all right, we're doing this. All right, I guess. <laughs> no sense in crying over spilt milk. We are bivy camping. <laughs> so Wow. How'd that like, work out? It ended up being fine. I think it was, um, 
he luckily had a tarp that he had brought with because oh, yeah. he had told me, he's like, hey, I got a tarp just in case, you know, we get some rain or something like that. I was like, we're going to need that tarp, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was fine. You know, I think it was an attitude. I think you have a choice to make in those scenarios where yes. you can either let it. Um, I felt myself being like, this could be a problem. It's like October in Idaho. Weather could move in. I was like, this could be a bad situation. We're kind of deep in here. But you just have to make that decision to go with it. And you're like, at the end of the day, what are you doing? You're just camping. So, okay. Just make do. I'm so, glad it turned out all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, backcountry problems are real problems, I think. And, and when you, there's an air of confidence that comes along with solving those problems. And that's, I think, is so power, empowering for people. For sure. At the end of the day. Um, well, shoot, to wrap up, I, I'd love to know, um, I guess, do we have anything else to cover before I ask my final questions? Uh, we have anything else to cover on rec.gov or anything that um, you're up to that you're excited about? Should we cover it? Um, you know, I just think, you know, as we come into another season mm-hmm. of, of outdoor recreation, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about just visitation and, and people, um, you know, so many more folks. I think one of the things uh, that folks might need to think about is changing their expectations Ooh, yeah. and recognizing that you're probably, you know, there, there may be um, just a little a few more crowds in, in places that you want to visit, or there may be a little bit of traffic that you have to deal with. I think really just getting into that mindset that you just talked about mm-hmm. of, of really going with that flow, you know, you're there to have a good time, um, kind of surrender to, to that moment and to the mm. situation you're in. Um, but again, I, I think I'll put another plug into like go off the beaten path, Ooh, go yeah. discover some places that you don't, you don't really know much about that might be a hidden gem that, that provides just an amazing experience for you. Is there a reason that, uh, those hidden gems, is there a reason why we don't know about them? Is it because these other parks and other places kind of take the cake and they're, they're like, quote unquote, better at marketing themselves, but there's these other small gems. Is there a reason why we don't know about them or is it kind of hard to just sift through them, sift through the noise? Well, there's a reason that the, the you know, the iconic places are iconic because they yeah. are amazing. Yeah. You talk about there's nothing like driving into the Yosemite Valley. It takes oh, your breath away. A hundred percent. It's just breathtaking. Yeah. Like, like, please go there. Please figure out a way to to get there and have that experience. Mm-hmm. Yellowstone, first park, yep. and also so unique. The mm-hmm. landscape you'll never see anything like it. So these parks that you know were designated were for a reason, and yep. they should be visited. You should go there. Uh, but but. You know, the other places are smaller. So think about Craters of the Moon. It's here in central Idaho. It's a national monument. Mm-hmm. It is incredibly unique place. But I've been there a few times. It's not that far from where I live. Um, but it's really remote. There's mm-hmm. not a big city nearby. It takes a little more to get to it. Uh, you know, there's a small town uh, that that is nearby that's great. Um, but it does take a little more effort. Mm-hmm. And it's not near, you know, some big amenities. So that, I think that's a big part of it. Um, and sometimes they don't have all the amenities in there that some of these larger, you know, there's not a right, lodge. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, there's not stores yeah. in there where you could go buy, you know, sundries or things mm-hmm. that you might forget. I mean, you're really going a bit off the grid to go out and visit there and, and especially to camp there. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it takes a little more effort, I think, to, to go to some of these other places too. That makes sense. I never thought, I mean, that's great point. I literally never thought about that. It's like these just varying levels of difficulty, skill set, um, willingness, access. Yeah. I mean, those, but those, those ones we know all know about the infrastructure is so great. And as you go the monument route or these other small parks, um, yeah, it just takes a different level of effort. So sure does. But I think that's like, man, if you can encourage people to kind of start at this base level and then slowly work yourself up to where, to where you're, I just, I got, I just recently got really fascinated with the Pesatan wilderness in Northern Washington. Do you know about this place? No. And it's not that far. <laughs> no, it's not that far. And it takes up, like, if you look at how big it, I think it might be one of the lot, you might have to, you, you'd have to look it up, but don't quote me, but I think it might be one of the largest wilderness areas. I know in Washington for sure. Huh. And it's, it's right next to Cascades National Park, North Cascades okay. National Park. It is ridiculous. And the PCT wow. goes right through the uh, west end of it. Mm-hmm. So I've been in it. I went, I think the northern terminus of the PCT is in it. Um, I but I, I recently deep dove that stuff. But to your point about remote, uh, where I was going with this is like, hopefully maybe you start with going to the Yosemite Valley and you get like that. You come around that corner and you're like, what is this? And then you get to the valley floor and you're like, these cliffs are gigantic. This is silly. How is this even real? Um, and then hopefully one day you're backpacking into the Pesatan or the Frank Church. Um, there you that's go. a wild place. Yeah. But it takes more effort. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. takes more skill and expertise and gear. Yep. And, yeah. you know, you just, yeah. You, yeah. And I like that how you framed it. It's like, hey, you may, you know, kind of do the entry level stuff. And then as you get better, yeah. as you get more equipped, you can kind of graduate into these lesser known areas like we're you know we we are um skiers we go to ski areas but we bought all the gear and now we're really trying to break the seal of going into backcountry skiing oh okay and so that's but it does take planning and effort and training and having the right Mm -hmm. gear to do it so yeah same thing that's interesting yeah it's funny you just keep keep doing that it's funny with the um the the camping to backpacking it in your head, it sounds like it would be more difficult. It is. <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> a lot more work. <laughs> but this where I was going with that. Uh, it, it feels like it's it's like it's harder. You're right. It's like the it's a weird pendulum switch. It's like yeah. it's easier to camp than it is to, to backpack because you're hauling all your stuff in. But the simplicity of backpacking makes it so much easier in terms of like the coordination of it. Like, especially if you're willing to go for an overnighter, um, going for an overnighter with a camper is way harder than it is with a backpack because you got to drive this thing and pull this thing in and you got to get a parking spot and you got to park it somewhere. Whereas I always encourage people, you want to backpack more, you want to go camping more. Go do an overnighter. It's less food, less gear. Your pack is lighter. You can go further and you're home the next day. You can have a burger on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. And you get more reps in and you're doing that kind of thing. So it's like, 
the simplicity of backpacking, I always had, I was like, gosh, it's so complicated. And I'm like, actually, it's really simple when you compare it to like car camping. But, you know, there's just pros and cons to all of it. So, man, wouldn't that be cool? You might be part of someone's, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to be part of someone's journey, helping them like what, what, what you're doing with recreation.gov. Like you get like a fingerprint on their whole life, you know, like Love you get that. to encourage them to like this map this thing out, go to a park, and then maybe they will hike into the Frank Church one day. It's pretty wild to think. So. That would that would make me really happy to, if I had <laughs> I can a, tell. a Thank you. <laughs> I know people can't see you, but like you have a big smile on your face. So that's like you you're very genuine. Like you really do care about this, I can tell. Well, thank you. Yeah, we do. All of us do. That's awesome to hear. Well, um, okay. Quick plug for recreation.gov. That's the website, right? Anyone that wants is, to go that's there? That's all you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> Easy day. We also have a, a mobile app. And the okay, mobile so app we have found, people are loving it. We get yeah. really high yeah. reviews. And I, awesome. we're putting awesome. a lot of time and investment into the mobile app. So we hope people enjoy cool. that too. Is there anything else, any other resources that people should know about um, before we jump off so we here? We talked about that trip builder tool and there's yep. other mapping tools. Uh, I'm just trying to think of all of the, the really helpful tips and okay. tools that help people, you know, understand. One thing to really keep in mind, um, you know, different parks, these popular parks we talk about, just a handful of them that are super pop popular, um, do require those timed entry reservations mm -hmm. during their peak season. So it's really important to be aware of those. Do a little more homework, mm -hmm. a little more planning uh, before you go visit those places. Cool. Well, Janelle, thank you so much. It was so great to meet you. I appreciate you coming on and uh, giving me your time. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate the conversation. All right, that is it for episode 163 with Janelle Smith. Thank you so much for tuning in. To follow up on anything we mentioned in the episode, I've included links to all of it in the show notes, so be sure to check those out when you have a chance. If you have not introduced yourself, please do. I love hearing from you guys, so please feel free to hit me up anytime at emery at byland.co, even just to say hi. That's it for me. If you're headed out on an adventure anytime soon, be safe, make great decisions, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.